0: Hi, this is Terry. Bridget and I are taking two weeks off to do research and interviews for season 11. So today, please listen to a recent and favorite episode with a fellow journalist and friend. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. So each season, you know, we do what we call a ripple report, and the idea is that when you throw a pebble in the water, it doesn't just affect the spot where it lands, but it creates ripples that change an area around that pebble, too. And the stories shared on our podcast are like that pebble.
1: We regularly get emails and messages telling us how the information in our guest stories help people to better understand and manage their own depression, or that they feel better equipped somehow to support their friend or family who's struggling.
0: This Ripple report is a little bit different than the others we've had because the person sharing his story today was not a regular listener. He was, like many people, afraid that the podcast on depression would be depressing, which it is not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is not. But he, as a television news anchor and reporter, did see a story in the podcast. Mm -hmm. And in researching the piece, he did listen. And it got him thinking. After several weeks of thinking, he's talking. Mm -hmm. Here is Ted Perry from the Fox station in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, giving his voice to depression publicly for the first time.
2: But I always vowed that if I was the guy who, and again, this is not a criticism of those people who have done that. I'm going to make that very clear. But I always said to myself, if I'm the guy who comes down with cancer or something or something, it's not going to be a public battle. Because that doesn't serve anyone. Um, I made the exception here because I think what you're doing serves people. And I think depression is a little bit different because there's no shame in talking about your cancer. Perceived shame. Let me be clear about that. There's no perceived shame about talking about your battle with lupus or whatever it may be. So why should there be with this? And I think the people in your podcast, I think they're very brave. And there comes a point where you just can't sit on the sideline and say, look at all those brave people, good for them. So then I have made the decision with you, because I trust you and know you, to sort of say, yeah, we should talk about this. And I would like to be one more person on your roster of people who hopefully can give hope, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm at the point in my life where if you look at me differently, or you think less of me, yeah. uh, <laughs> let the record show. <laughs> Terry just raised her middle <laughs> finger. Then that's on you, and it's not on me. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't want to be known as, oh my God, he's the guy with depression on the news. But you said something in our, in my interview. This is not the oh I'm sad I have depression podcast. This is the there are ways out of it, and we need to help each other. So mm-hmm. that's why. I Almost didn't do it, and that's why I did do it in one answer.
0: Ted's experience with depression has an indefinite start point, but he thinks it might have been his late teens, like it is for many.
2: I remember thinking back to being in college at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I had great friends who were still my friends, and I was in a school that I always wanted to attend, and, and it still didn't feel right, and I thought about transferring. I thought, it's the greener grass syndrome. Oh, I'll transfer to the University of Illinois. My brother and sisters went there. And that that always sounded fun. And it was my sister who said, You're not going to be any happier at switching schools. Find out what's making you unhappy there.
0: It would be about a decade after his father's cancer diagnosis before Ted really investigated his unhappiness. And even then, when a friend encouraged him, he was very resistant.
2: And he said, How are you doing with your dad? And i go, It's all so much. He's so far away, blah, blah. And I should see a shrink. And I just said it. Mm-hmm. As a th- he goes, it's not a half bad idea. And I said, what? And he goes, it's not a half bad idea. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, seeing a shrink. And I go, well, what, are you, what are you talking about? And he goes, you should maybe see a shrink. And I go, I would never go see a shrink. And uh, he said, why not? And I go, I don't need that. And he said, you just told me how sad you were and frustrated and stressed out. And he goes, would it help you if I told you that I, I saw a guy? I go, you? Mm-hmm. I like, think this guy had his you-know-what together.
0: His friend shared his therapist's name, and Ted took the leap and made an appointment.
2: I was so nervous going in there; like I, I could have been getting my first prostate exam and not have been this nervous.
0: And what were you nervous about?
2: I had never talked about myself, like and, and like those. I, I didn't know what was going on with me. I knew I was sad, and it was my father's impending death that was making me sad. But everybody has that, right? And he just said, tell me about your family. And I said, he goes, tell me about your dad. And my voice started to crack a little bit. He goes, is your dad dying? And I was like, whoa, and waterworks. I'm like, you're a sorcerer. (laughs) How do you know this? You know, because Rob swears he hadn't told him anything about me.
0: Talking really helped, and Ted's grateful he learned that.
2: You are a better person and a stronger person for admitting you can't deal on this alone. So if the only person you ever talk to is a mental health professional Great, make that your first thing. and it's great because they have to listen to you. you know I have this I don't want to interfere in and you know so I've opened up around friends, but I don't go to them. they're not my go-to people mm-hmm. too often. They are there when I need them, but these people are paid, and there is help out there
0: And Ted accessed that help again after his father's death while still grieving, Ted moved to Milwaukee, new town, new friends, new life,
2: old intruder. But I was starting a new job, and it was just a lot. I pride myself on not being sick, and and I only call in if I'm, it's the Catholic guilt. If I'm sick, I'm really sick. I'm not sick going to a ball game or anything. Or, and um, I look back at my first couple of years. I was sick like six, seven, eight, nine times. And it wasn't, I wasn't sick. I was depressed. I remember waking up and going, what do I have to do to get back in bed today? So I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I thought nothing about calling in sick. And, and now I'm, I'm just horrified by that, you know, that I did that. Um, you were and sick. I, I guess I was sick, yeah. right. But I, yeah, good point. Yeah. But to me, it's sick as I, I cough, cough, yeah. you know. Um, thank you for saying that. I was sick. Yeah, you're right. I had never really thought about it like that. I was more feeling guilty that I did that. So I remember thinking, what do I have to do to get back into bed? How do I get through this day? I remember going to work, and that whole first year after my father's death was a blur.
0: Ted's quick to point out that he wasn't always out of it, not always in that deep, dark hole those of us with depression are familiar with. But it was certainly more often than he found acceptable. So he tried different therapists, a prescription, but it wasn't the right fit.
2: I don't know when it clicked that I allowed myself to say to myself and myself only, myself only, you know what, dude, you're depressed, and there's got to be a way.
0: Ted's way, like many of ours, is multifaceted. It includes a therapist he sees for what he calls tune-ups and an antidepressant that does work for him.
2: People think they're happy pills. It, it just says to you, all right, here's what you need to do. It's kind of like says, all right, it, it levels your chemicals. Mm-hmm. If I go off well Poochin, am I dangerous? Am I going, you know, no, of course not. Life, Yeah, life, then it, life becomes more sloggy and weighted and my motivation to do things. So this isn't an energizer. It's not like I'm on a constant five-hour energy. It just allows me to go on in a pretty normal thing and not let the highs and lows get me.
0: They're not happy pills, and they're not a singular solution. We each need to assemble personalized toolboxes that we can access in the dark times.
2: There were times... When I needed every tool at my disposal to get through the day, that was exercise, that was a little medication, um, reflection, meditation, and uh, religion. Um, nothing groundbreaking here. If you're an exercise person, do it more than you even want to. If you're not an exercise person, start. Yeah. Start, start, start. Walk. Go shoot free throws. Uh, play Frisbee golf. Find Something that really makes you happy. I got a kayak. I put a kayak in the Lonky River. I disappear for an hour and a half. I'm a new man, you know? Uh, Get a pet. I've always been a dog guy. They make you get out. They make you run. There's an unconditional love there, all right? If you don't get a dog, get a cat. If you can't get a cat, get a bird. whatever.
0: In the mental health world, those tools are referred to as protective factors. Faith, effective health care, a pet, they're all on the long list of reasons to hang on, things that pull people through the dark times.
2: Another huge one is hope. People, their initial, their initial reaction often is, "You, you're always cracking jokes. You're the last guy in the world. Well, you know, you, you don't know me when I'm home alone, and you know, and so full of doubt. And that's the thing. Um, and that's the worst thing about depression is that it takes away hope. And that's the thing that I hope." someone would take away from this is that please there's like a little ember of hope burning blow on it stoke it feed it because you do get through this there is another side of this it might take a while but it's so worth it I I'm not exactly where I am in my life you know where I thought I'd be but I'm really happy these days I'm open and I'm a knowledge and it took some awful awful days and stints and months to get there it, it just kind of adds up sometimes. But all that darkness, there's a crack in it so that light can come in. And I think that's when I turned a corner, when I said, God, I've been through the worst. I know this is the worst I'm ever going to be. I can't sleep. I can't eat well. I lost, I lost 25 pounds a couple of years ago just from being so down in it. And um, I looked fabulous, by the way. <laughs> I would kill for that diet again. but uh, not, Just that, not that not, not that way. Yeah, not that way.
0: Ted says even in the darkness, he never crossed over into hopelessness.
2: The tank was never empty, but it was low, and it was running on fumes sometimes. But I know, and this is what I credit my Catholicism to, there's always hope. It's a Corinthians faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Eh. I, <laughs> that's fine for a wedding, all right? I've read that at so many weddings, and I always want to go, don't underestimate hope, though. Hope's going to be important. I know the Bible says love is the most important. I will put hope right up there.
0: It's a big step sharing about a highly stigmatized illness, and disclosure can have negative consequences. But so can not being open about our struggles. Did you intentionally hide it?
2: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. That's a good question. Oh, I didn't bring it up for years around people,
0: but on purpose because. Of oh some. yeah. Okay.
2: Oh no, this um, this is my regret on this. I'm not speaking out earlier and not. I use it as a, as a cop out. I have been fortunate enough to be in romantic relationships with some absolutely stellar women, mm-hmm. and I destroyed everyone by backing out because I didn't feel good enough or worthy enough. And so you sabotage it in weird ways. And that's my biggest regret is that, you know, I didn't let people in. I just used it. I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work. I'm depressed. This isn't going to work.
0: Were you thinking that you were depressed because of them or because of the relationship or just no? That I that's know. a part of you? you weren't yeah, like yeah, no. Share I share.
2: No, I never blamed okay. that. Okay. No, no, good question. They weren't responsible mm-hmm. for that. I just didn't want to burden them with it. And I didn't trust them enough to say, you know, here's my thing. You know, you want to help me deal with this? Now I'm at the point where I would. I, you know, obviously I'm talking to you publicly about having been treated for depression. You know.
0: And though he's not a fan of the term, that belief we're a burden, not good enough, or that we have to hide an aspect of ourselves to be lovable, is a byproduct of stigma.
2: I was ashamed of it. I went, Man, this is a freaking character flaw. It's not a character flaw. I mean, it takes, took me a couple of years, and, and I call that wasted time. I would like to, you know, again, it's in the rearview mirror, I hope, and I hope it stays that way. I just think that, like there's wasted time there, and that's what makes me mad, in that I wasted some relationships and I wasted some, you know. All my friends are still friends. I didn't lose any friends over it, um, but I'd lose relationships, and that, that's on me entirely. Except for the following people. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) We'll start with the A's. (laughs) Abby. (laughs) I never dated an Abby. Oh, I love it.
1: That wasted time that he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you don't get it back, whether it's just time you spent
0: beating up on yourself or in bed or you know, there's so many
1: ways we lose time when we're in it. And that word sloggy, I've never heard before, but it, it really does impart the uh, heaviness and the weight, weightedness of it all.
0: It absolutely does. So the feature report that Ted did on Giving Voice to Depression is posted on both our Facebook page and our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, and it's worth taking a look at. He uh, obviously speaks very well, and he did a really nice job explaining what we do and why.
1: He did. And thank you for that, Ted. And thank you for dispensing hope today. Thanks, Ted. And Bye, Bridge. Bye, Terry.